People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. Hey, Brothers Talk family around the world. Listening in the car, the gym, the den, kitchen, barber, or beauty shop, in the backyard, on the corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations to spur critical thinking and activism to support the Black community. As always, welcome first-time listeners as we look forward to your joining us in perpetuating enlightened conversations and in promoting new and existing Black business opportunities to empower and enrich our community. Your friendly coronavirus reminder, we're still in the midst of a full-fledged triple-demic with the trio of respiratory infections keeping the flu and RSV2 joining COVID. Remember, you can still reduce your chances of getting any of the three by getting vaccinated and wearing a mask. As we keep saying, you don't want to be infecting family members, especially our medically fragile seniors during the holidays. We can do better. As you're listening to this episode, it's our post-Thanksgiving show, and we're extremely grateful that so many of you continue to tune in each week, and we hope and pray that you had a great holiday and are looking forward to an even more festive season with your family and friends. This week, it's the dynamic duo as Scott is in transit and unable to join us. So it's me and Norm. Thanks, Rod. And I just wanted to say, everybody, the holiday season is upon us, as Rod mentioned. And let's remember, this is the time of year where retail outlets, especially in the African-American community, make their money. So please, when you're doing your shopping online, always think of buy black. And remember, Kwanzaa's coming up also, so prepare for that as well. But we need those dollars, jobs, and everything else in our community. Thank you. You know what, Norm? That's a real good point that we can't emphasize enough, especially with something called Black Friday, that when this episode airs, we'll actually be in full swing. So why not let us make Black Friday what the name implies and find every opportunity to buy Black and in the meantime, also encourage all of your friends and co-workers and other acquaintances from other ethnic groups to join in their way of helping us with at least a mini version of reparations, which they like to talk about being in support of. So buy Black, buy Black, buy Black. We want to talk a little bit this week about overrepresentation, and specifically as we see it in so many media circles. Norma, you and I were talking in a run-up about how when we watch so much of what we see on advertising venues now, that while we actually have nothing against either the LGBTQI community, because certainly know that I've got members in my family, as well as interracial marriage, got those in my family as well, Love them all. But it just seems a little bit odd that for a group, the LGBTQI community, that the best estimates say are between 4 and 5% of the population, 
yet on literally every program and most advertising, they are represented in some form or fashion. And so it just seems that there's some over-representation there, that if you're four to five percent of the population, it's hard to understand why that needs to be in every television show, why that needs to be basically in seemingly like a disproportionate number of ads on television. And again, we want to emphasize that we're not against the representation. It just seems like they're going overboard because it certainly doesn't seem as though other groups are getting that kind of representation, other groups who have a much higher percentage of the population. Well, my question was also, why is this, or why basically is alternative lifestyles being taught in schools? What's the goal here? Are we trying to teach tolerance in schools and not really trying to educate our young people? Because I can definitely say in our communities, our young people are not reading on grade level. Our young people are not doing mathematics on grade level. And the job outlooks and, and, and education period is pretty dismal. So why aren't we concentrating on the basics and not this alternative lifestyle? You make another good point, because when we really look at what's being taught in the schools, and I think that's why you have so many of the right wing being somewhat successful in their approach, because I always felt like you and I think a lot of other people that those kinds of issues are best left to parents to teach. You know, I feel the same way about those folks who are always saying that, you know, they took prayer out of schools when, you know, actually they didn't take prayer out of schools. They took the leadership of prayer away from the administration, the principals and the teachers and whatnot. Every kid who wants to can still pray in school, but the problem was always, who was actually doing the teaching. And so I think the same way about all this conversation that's going on around about having that taught around the alternative lifestyles is that, okay, it's an alternative. And why shouldn't that be better left to the parents, just as religious beliefs should be better left to the parents? As you said, Norm, there's so much more in the way of pressing issues when we watch our falling math and language scores, we're continually losing ground to the rest of the world. And yet we still lead the world in hubris as far as the self-image of our young people go, which is kind of unfounded because when you're really falling behind and everything else, why would you keep being so prideful? And especially the fact that they are not even teaching African-American history or the history of the Native Americans in this country, they're not teaching things that our young people and the society really need to know. First and foremost, about the country. Why is this being promoted over everything? And it's another question that I have. And again, who's making these decisions? If, they, if uh, Naturally, if they're 5% of the country, who's actually deciding what kind of curriculum our young people are getting and what information they're getting? Is is that you have this, this over-representation because it seems like the folks who are in charge of these decisions are not necessarily in tune with the majority of the country, but they have a power base. And so they're able to get their perspective and points of view in front of kids. And, you know, we have to be guarded in that, you know, we don't want people twisting our words up and 
saying that, you know, we're anti-LGBTQI or that we're anti-interracial marriage or anything else. We just are willing to say what a lot of folks are not willing to say and ask certain questions. And so we are asking the questions about overrepresentation. And as I said, with the interracial marriage side of it, you can't go literally any commercial block without seeing one interracial couple in it. And and while we understand the idea of blended nations and so forth is certainly not a bad idea and a bad construct, but I'm seeing an overrepresentation of black women who are actually with men of other ethnic groups. And that does indeed kind of concern me as to wondering why that seems to be the preponderance. It doesn't seem as though you see an awful lot of black men with other ethnic groups. And so I think these kind of decisions are also intentional and something that we need to take note of, if not question. And you see this also moving into different areas in regarding sports, men's sports. Why is it so important to highlight someone's sexuality in football or basketball or baseball? Can they just be athletes? You know, we've, we've had NFL players openly gay drafted and promoted, 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 and they really were only drafted because they were gay and they couldn't they couldn't even make the league and in basketball we had the former Nets player who literally came out but by the the time he came out his career was basically over and he basically hung around was given an extended career because he did come out let's just get back to the, the sports and society and if you're gay you're gay if you're straight you're straight and let's just move forward we're always going to emphasize that we in no way, shape, or form support the violence that has been propagated against members of those communities. We certainly understand that they have been victimized in no uncertain terms. I mean, there have been shootings and they've been just brutally treated in so many different ways that we can understand that you want to, to have acceptance, but you almost have to ask the question, are they really considering that because there's so much hatred out there, are they not, in a sense, almost making themselves targets? And I'm not saying that they are responsible for trying to stop what's happening to them, but it's there is a sense that if you know there's a nutcase out there, and obviously there are plenty of them because we as Black people have understood this for time immemorial, and one of the things that we try not to do in, in general is put ourselves in harm's way. I mean, yeah, it's terrible that we have to think this way, but we know that there are certain areas, like when you hear about sundown towns and so forth, or you hear about clan towns and, and the like, then we as Black people understand. We stay away from those places. We steer clear of them. And... Yet, I think sometimes what happens with the LGBTQI community is they effectively believe that they can just, in a manner of speaking, just ignore any kinds of warning signs there are out there. And it's, it's a very dangerous situation on, on, from every perspective because, I mean, they shouldn't have to try to live their lives in fear or hiding, but to ignore the danger that is out there 
it just doesn't seem to be a good strategy either. True, definitely true. And if you're going to promote yourselves like this in this manner, you are open to, again, comedians like Dave Chappelle pointing out and, 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 you know, making fun of you because that's what comedians do. And when you are addressed, you shouldn't take it as an attack. You should take it as comedy, which it is. It's not like they don't get on every other group, every other demographic. Everyone gets it. You're not special. You are open to being laughed at like all of us are. But they wanted to cancel him for things he said about different groups. And again, you can't have it both ways. Well, especially you can't have it to where you get to interpret what's being said in a way that is harmful to you as opposed to more accurately. And it's just like the situation we saw with Kyrie Irving. And of course, as you said, what we saw with Dave Chappelle is that we saw the Jewish people who basically decided that they were going to interpret what was being said as anti-Semitic and accusing both of these two brothers of being anti-Semitic. And for the majority of the public who really read or heard what was said without that lens of anti-Semitism, I challenged them to say, well, what was anti-Semitic about? When people point out stereotypes, when people point out things that they, they want to effectively make fun of about any group, and once again, I come back to us as Black people. We know fully well that there are always going to be comedians who talk about what it means to be black just as there are com white comedians who who make black jokes and black comedians who make white jokes and yet at the end of the day because it's comedy they're not considered racist per se but if anybody who's not jewish because i remember and really used to enjoy jackie mason's comedy and jackie mason for those who don't know is a jewish comic and he made a career out of lampooning his own people, and that was fair game. Now, I know people are going to say, well, it's just like when uh, Black people talk about Black people. And yeah, that's what it should be. But as I just mentioned, white people have had a lot to say. And I certainly remember Don Rickles, who was a Jewish comedian, doing a lot of humor based on his observations of Black people even in a way that would sometimes make me uncomfortable in how he was depicting some of the stereotypes. But at the end of the day, it was comedy. And I never thought like, hey, Don Rickles is a racist because he's doing that. But that's what we seem to get. Like there's a third rail that anybody who's not Jewish saying anything that could even remotely be considered stereotypical or unflattering to Jewish people is suddenly painted with a brush that says anti-Semitic. And I just want to remind our, our listeners out there that um, we had a guest last week, Bill Autry, and he reminded everyone that Amazon is selling the book that the um, link that Kyrie posted, uh, the book that it's based on, the film is based on, they're selling it and nobody's going after Amazon. So they're profiting on this. So if it's so bad, why aren't they making them take this book down? That's the question, Rod. Well, slight correction. There was a whole group of Hollywood people who signed this letter that they sent to Jeff Bezos. But 
by your question, you can tell that it got not nearly the amount of press coverage and media coverage that Kyrie's little single link that does we repeat didn't say he supported it, didn't say he was in favor of it, just posted a link. And they still paint him as not only supporting it, but saying that he's anti-Semitic because of it. And as I said, there is a list of, if I recall correctly, it's like over 150 uh, celebrities and, and, and other important people who sent this open letter to Jeff Bezos requesting that they take that book down, but it hasn't been done. And as I will repeat, where was the amount of media coverage over that? And it's not there. So there is a degree of hypocrisy that we have to continue to expose. Well, we will continue to expose it and we will continue to speaking on any issues that, you know, we're concerned about and we know that you're concerned about. And hopefully we can provide the information to people to think, act and move forward. So once again, you've got our opinion and we are, as we've always said, unabashedly unafraid to speak what we believe is our version of critical thinking, what's on our minds, because we have thought about these things. And if you disagree, if you have a different point of view, we're more than happy to hear from you. And if you're brave enough, we're more than happy to have you come into the mix and share your opinions. So you have that. And that extends literally to anyone out there who has a difference of opinion or just who has a similar opinion. We always enjoy hearing from you. And we always enjoy the dialogue because it will show us that you are indeed engaging in critical thinking. In our Black Business Spotlight, after nearly a year of negotiations and renegotiation, entrepreneur Tony A. Remenick, his wife and his three sons have purchased a 20-unit strip mall in the Oak Grove community of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, that they plan to transform into a local version of Tulsa, Oklahoma's historic Greenwood district that was known as Black Wall Street. With this purchase, the family has become one of the states of Mississippi's 3% of African Americans to have ever independently brokered a million-dollar deal. The establishment will be named Greenwood Plaza, and it's the second major commercial expansion of their family-owned firm, Remenick and Company, LLC. To learn more about Tony Remenick's nonprofit organization, look him up at linkedupempowermentcenter.org. That's a wrap for another program, and God willing, we will keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Don't forget you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next time, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and interest, and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And remember, let's do better today, because that's all we really have.